1: Uh, this is Matt Minnick here with Michael Rogner coming to you on uh, Wednesday, January 22nd. Uh, for This is the 10th episode of uh, of the Tomahawk Nation Hoops Dedicated Florida State Podcast. Uh, so I, I think, you know, Michael, we started this podcast and then Florida State started their pretty you know incredible winning streak here and and are now their highest ranking fifth in the country uh since 1972 i i think i'm gonna say that it's kind of because we started this podcast What, what do you think
0: it it seems i mean if you look at the data you know we're we're big we're big numbers guys you know it seems like, yeah there's really no other uh, explanation it's i mean we'll we'll, we'll take a deep, deeper dive into the numbers but it, it looks pretty clear that we've done this
1: yeah i, I there's a couple of folks on tomahawk nation that are really good with some of their their graphs and charts uh far far better than your uh you know technological uh <laughs> whatever the opposite of Savant is uh, for me over here. But um, I'd be interested to see maybe if some of the folks want to take a, take a a look at what they can find, you know, running some numbers and reconfiguring the bios there. But uh, you know, I, I'm going to go ahead and take full credit uh, actually for this. It's been, it's been a real team effort and, and, you know, let's keep the train rolling, the tournament train rolling. So. um,
0: Thank you. And and good night.
1: Yeah, you know what, we're just gonna do an episode every Wednesday, (laughs) even if it's 10 seconds long, just so we can say it's like the playoff beard. We've got our we've got our playoff beard going. Um, All kidding aside. Yes, Florida State is 16 and two. uh, And they the the polls came out and, and they are for the first time since December of 1972. So that's not the season that went to the Final Four. That's the season after. So that would have been early in the year. You know, perhaps driven by a preseason ranking. Uh, Florida State is ranked in the top five of the Associated Press poll, um, and and you know the the bracket matrix uh, site that we track that now has up to 93 brackets that it's uh, pulling into it. It kind of confirms that ranking it has it at a uh, as a two seed florida state is actually the second highest two seed so would be sixth if, if you were just ranking those teams like that so I'll, I'll just ask you straight up michael is florida state the fifth or sixth best team in the country
0: yeah there's a lot of people that have been kind of having this argument over at tomahawk nation and and you know i yeah, I I don't want to I don't want to play the good guy card, but you know I kind of agree with both sides. It's like the if you look at the computer numbers, like are there are there only four teams that would be favored to beat Florida State on a neutral court? You know, no, there's there's more than that. Um, you know, Florida State is is I think what sixteenth or something at Ken Palm, and and probably you know, in that range at other sites, but also that doesn't matter. You know, that, that stuff doesn't matter. It's, it's about building a resume, you know, it's about building the season and it's hard to argue right now that Florida state doesn't have a resume that, you know, fits them right into about where they're ranked right now. And when it comes to uh, uh, the people who are seeding the NCAA tournament, you know, they're not relying real heavily on advanced, uh, analysis. They're looking at, who's, at wins and losses on how you got there. And and right now, Florida State absolutely, you know, deserves to be uh, the fifth ranked team in the country.
1: Yeah, I, I think what you just said right there, Florida State deserves to be the fifth ranked team in the country. That is absolutely true. Uh, I agree with that. And, and I think the key word there is deserves as in it's based on uh, results that have already happened. And, and so when you think about, you know, this is, goes back to even the, uh, was it 2011 and you had the discussion around like Alabama or LSU and football with Oklahoma state. And well Oklahoma state had like the resume, but Alabama was a quote unquote better team, according to the computers. When you're talking about a ranking, Florida state has accomplished more. And, and, is, you know, probably I think to be argued fourth, maybe fifth, Uh, sixth in the country I don't think they've accomplished as much as Baylor Uh, certainly San Diego State has a weaker schedule but there's something to be said for not losing a game Uh, and so but they're right there in that kind of four through six range when you look at the advanced metrics which to be clear you know to the listeners out there this is not your older brother's NCAA tournament selection committee. They they do they don't just go into a room, look at the RPI, and kind of say, "Well, your RPI is good or it's bad." They don't even actually use the RPI anymore. They are allowed to look at things like Ken Palm, like BPI, like strength of record, like the net ranking, or whatever it is that makes the NCAA's you know secret black box of information there. Um, and they are allowed to use those those tools to make a decision. But ultimately, you're right. They're looking at who have you beaten, where have you beaten them, right? And do they fall into these quadrant, you know, quad one, quad two, quad three uh wins? And so when you look at Florida State, what are those wins right now that are that if you're a committee member, what is telling you like, yeah, this, this is a team that is as of January twenty second, twenty twenty, is deserving. Of a two seed
0: well we've, we've you know we've obviously got the big win at louisville and that that's that's going to be the one that we're we're you know putting putting on the on the sign on game day uh, you know that's our big win the the florida win you know at florida they they got off to a rough start but they've actually you know kind of uh, showing signs of turning it around they almost pulled off a miracle yesterday against against lsu we really need them to turn it around because right now that's that's arguably like our second best win Um, and it's not that good of a win the florida state beat louisville and that's really the only team that's in the current top 25 that, that florida state has beaten um, Purdue's a good. Yeah, win. you thought
1: Purdue would be there, but they yep. they just keep
0: finding ways to lose. Exactly. Yeah, and Tennessee, their best player got uh, is out for the season, so they they're kind of taking. The good news team. are our losses. We have we have pretty good losses. You know, the at at Pitt is not you know a great loss, but it's, it's not terrible either. And at Indiana is not going to kill anybody. You know, we haven't lost at home. We haven't lost any neutral site games. Those get those get treated more heavily. Uh, when you're looking at things. And then, you know, we're, we have this string of, of ACC opponents where we're not going to be picking up, uh, you know, a, a, lot of, a lot of good wins. So it's really important that, uh, that we take care of teams like Notre Dame when we're playing them at home um, because a loss is going to hurt us. You know, for most of our games down the stretch, a loss is going to hurt us a lot more than, than a win will help. You know, the obvious exception is are the Duke and Louisville games. Um, but the but yeah. Duke just to just to make one last point on your advanced metrics thing, you know Duke just lost twice at home. They lost to Stephen F. Austin um, at home, and I bet they're going to be at least an eight point favorite when we play them. You know, so we're ranked ahead of them in the polls, but I think it's it's pretty clear that that. Uh, most people think that they're the better team and we're going to, we're going to see that come to fruition. Uh, you know, when the Vegas line is is released for that game, unless there's some weird, you know, injury thing that happens to one of the teams between here and there.
1: And, and for if this was, let's say it's the 10th episode and someone decided, you know what? I don't typically try a new podcast, but Hey, this one seems to have a little bit of staying power. So I'm going to check it out for the first time. Um, when we say an advanced metric, like why, so, yeah, Duke lost two games last week. They lost to Clemson and they lost to Louisville. Uh, the Louisville game at home, Florida, Louisville, a team that Florida State has already beaten, and Duke has a third loss to, to Stephen F. Austin. What is allowing Duke in the advanced metrics to, to stay so highly ranked if they have dropped games recently?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not just counting wins and losses, you know, when you're, when you're looking, it's looking, you know, advanced metrics, look at things sort of on a possession by possession basis. So, you know, what are you doing with the ball on that possession and how good is your opponent that you're competing against? You know, those, those things all uh, come into play. And if, and if you're concerned about, how legitimate these things are. you know. Look at the NBA, they all have teams of people who are doing nothing but poring over just absolute minutia um, of, of doing the deep dive on, on all this stuff. And a lot of young coaches in the NCAA are really embracing um, the advanced metrics. And it also made a, an awful lot of people a lot of money because you know, before Vegas kind of caught on to this, a lot of people were using this to, to bet games um and and they definitely had an had an advantage before uh you know the the rest of the betting p- public caught up so you know it's legit stuff it's not it's not really questionable it's just the terminology is a little off putting sometimes you know when you're talking about um you know free throw rate instead of uh you know free throw percentage or you know talking
1: about rebounding rate as opposed yeah. to uh yeah like Margin. total is not yeah. really a stat that matters Exactly. Yeah. So it's,
0: it's good. I mean, it's just digging into, it's just digging into basketball at a deeper level, trying to figure out why, you know, why is it that teams, teams win?
1: Yeah, no. So what I'm hearing you say kind of is that, uh, the advanced metrics are really more predictive and they're looking, they're looking at the totality of information and saying, okay, yeah, you did lose to Clemson by five points on the road, but you also played Miami and won by 30 And so when you when you add those games together, like the one performance is so much more impressive. It it, not that it counts more, but it's just that the when you add in all that data, they the sample set as it grows and grows is able to just be objective about, like you said, your per possession basis. Um, If you're interested out there, if you're trying uh, I want to, you know, learn more about the advanced metrics. Uh, maybe we can we can share a few that we go to i know um so i've been a big believer in ken pomeroy for a while i mean ever since he was a meteorologist turned before he became a full-time uh, basketball stat junkie that now is a millionaire off that i'm sure um and so his is ken there's also uh bart torvik that has it's not the they, they have very like a little bit different um formulas and and stats the way they weigh them but uh, the Torvik uh, site is also a really is a good one to really do some deep dive into different teams if you want to look at it. Michael, are there any others that you would say you've gone to 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 dig into those advanced stats?
0: Yeah, the other one I, I would take a look at is Hoop Math. It's hoopmath.com. And so you, you can find some really cool stuff like, you know, Patrick Williams has had 10 putbacks. I don't know if you knew that. That's, that's what he's at for the year. He's shooting 80% at the rim on putbacks. So, you, I mean, you can really get into the data. And then if you're more, if you want to complement uh, your uh, statistical analysis with some X's and O's, um, there's a new service out called Hoop Vision, which is really great. They, they have yeah. you know, these weekly uh, emails that go out that, that are really breaking down um, X's and O's. And, and it's a it's a guy who who actually worked on a, on a college basketball staff. So he knows what he's doing and he has a podcast. And I, I would highly recommend that, too. We'll, we'll hopefully get him on here as, as a guest um, probably after the season's over.
1: Yeah, no, that would be great. And you're right. I i don't know that I've been there. Um, that, that's one that I've started to add to my Rolodex of sites. And I, I the more and more I see it, it's definitely uh, some great stuff going on there. I need, I need to check out hoop I, I I tend to stick to my Ken Palm and Torvik and I'll go, I'll go check out hoop mats. That's, that's cool that it can break down specific shops like that. Um, so why don't we, we'll re- bring this all back uh, full circle to So, Florida State on Bracket Matrix, BracketMatrix.com is a site that tracks all of the uh, different blogs, websites, everything from Joe Lenardi, who's actually not that great of his job, uh, to the folks that are all year long kind of tracking. uh, They they have their own formula that they're putting in their Bracketology uh, kind of breakdowns. Bracket Matrix combines all that into a a composite ranking. And and so Florida State is, uh, like we said, the second best two seeds. So the one seeds are Kansas, Baylor, Gonzaga, San Diego State, in that order. That's as of uh, games that happened yesterday, January 21st. And then the two seeds are Duke, Florida State, Michigan State, West Virginia, in that order. And then the three seeds are Seton Hall, Louisville, Butler, and Dayton. So when you think about those teams, um, so is it as, just as simple as, hey, so basically anyone that is below Florida State on that two line, three line, and even into the fours, we just want them to, to lose as much as possible. Um, and, and, of course, Florida State is win as much as possible. Or do we also root for Louisville because we have the win over them and we want that win to continue looking good? Uh, is it, or is it kind of like a, it depends by the day, I guess.
0: Yeah, that's my favorite way to use bracket matrix. Is you know you go you check it out. It's like Michigan State right behind Florida State. I have no idea who they're playing next, but I am going to be a big fan of of their opponent. Um, it does get a little nuanced with teams like Louisville because we want them to to be a good win, um, and and in that case, you kind of have to look at where they're at in the net and all these other stuff. And and uh, you know, for now, I'm fine with just rooting against Louisville so that we can be ahead of them in the ACC tournament. And uh, yeah. You know, they did let, their job sort of, by
1: winning in Cameron.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sort of just let the chips fall
1: where they may. Yeah, Yeah. I, I haven't, I, I feel like there were so many years back in the, uh, when, when we first started communicating, uh, Michael, that there were so many years in the 2006, seven, eight, nine, you know, where it was, we were doing these game watches, but it was always uh, down on the other end of the spectrum. And we were looking at the bubble and, and who, uh, who behind us on the bubble and what we need. you know, At that point, you really do need your, the win that you have at home over Duke. You, know, you need Duke to keep winning to make that win look as good as possible. I feel like we reached a point now where, number one, I, I don't think I've ever seen us be a composite two seed. I've seen us maybe be a two in random brackets here and there uh, back in the John Isaac year, but I don't know that I've ever seen us be a composite two seed. And number two, I, I like you, I, I sort of really just think I'm at a point where it's just like everybody loose. And then, we, if we just keep winning, uh, can we can we get a one seed? Can can this Florida State team be a one seed?
0: If, you know, Florida State's never done it. They've never been a one or a two. They've never and, been a two seed. <laughs> right. There's there's that that so somebody used to wear those shirts. Why not us? You know, it's like we've got the we've got the why not us team. It's nobody expected these guys. I I think to be where where they're at now. You know, and and right now we're projecting a two seed. We got a lot of winnable games ahead of us. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be some hiccups, and we'll deal with that when we get there. But for now, you know, absolutely, let's let's ride for that one seed.
1: Yeah, I, and the old school of thought is, oh, just get in March, and and you know, it's all about the matchups, and that that is true. I I am as big of a believer as anybody in that. Right? If you if you tell me that your team, whatever team you root for, makes the tournament 15 straight years. Um, I'm going to say that one of those, one of those years, you're going to make a deep run just because the matchups are going to fall your way. But I I will say this, um, when we're talking about two seeds, three seeds, four seeds, the, the odds, the historical odds of 15s beating twos, uh, compared to 14s beating threes, there's a pretty significant gap there. Uh, and we could probably pull that data for, you know, the comment section or an upcoming when we get closer to March, but there is much as it's easy to say, well, you know, the twos are going to play the threes anyways. So what does it matter? Uh, you, you have a much better chance of making it to the second round as a two seed. Um, not that three seeds lose often. It's just that two seeds rarely lose. Uh, and, and the difference between a 14 seed and a 15 seed is usually, usually pretty big. Uh, and, and by the same token, uh, you know, when you get to that second round or the sweet 16 too, you're playing a three. If you're a two or a three, as opposed to playing a one if you're a four seed, so there is a difference at the top at the top lines of these brackets. I, I am a little concerned about something you said earlier in that, yeah, we have a lot of winnable games, but that means to your point, if we drop it, if we lose a game to UNC at home, if we lose a game to uh, Notre Dame at home coming up here on Saturday, I mean that that's a, that's a bad loss. You can't lose as a two seed. You can't lose home games to teams like UNC this year. So we, we have a lot of winnable games, but we also don't have a lot of, um, you know, probably the only games remaining on our schedule that we could lose and it doesn't really make a difference is, as you said, the the Louisville home game, the Duke road game, maybe the UVA uh, road game, just again, since it is on the road. Uh, and, and possibly we'll see how they, how they wind up here, the NC State road game. Um, th- those might be the only ones that you could say, well, no big deal. You lost it. Um, so with all that let me let me uh i'll I'll switch gears a little bit here and say what have you been watching uh lately college basketball high school basketball
0: i actually i i i I, like most people i hate watching high school basketball but you know the Hoopall classic was just on espn and scotty barnes is coming is is you know one of their (laughs) one of the players that was featured on the games there you know he plays for Muttbird and and uh so I did tune in. I watched. Uh, I won't say I watched the entire entirety of both games, but I did watch, um, you know, qu- qu- more high school basketball on t- televised high school basketball than I've probably watched in a few years. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah, it was, it, was, it was interesting stuff. It's high school, but um, it was it was fun being able to watch uh, Scotty.
1: And, and what was your, I actually didn't catch the hoop all this year. I saw a lot of tweets about it and I, I noted that I, I think now on two different ranking services, ESPN, and I, I want to say maybe rivals, um, he Scotty Barnes has jumped up into the top five. Uh, and, and so those, it, it appears to be that his, you know, the, the hype around him is, is growing Uh, And if he did finish in a composite top five recruit, that would be the highest ranked, at least ranked relative to his peers in the class uh, recruit that we have brought in since, you know, maybe the, was it uh, Corey Lewis or Rodney Dobard back? I think one of those two was number two in the country, but um, what did you take away from, from watching Scotty or if anything?
0: Well, so he, he he plays on a team with so he got bumped as you mentioned at Rivals from eighth to fourth. So he's now the fourth ranked uh, player in the country according to uh, according to Rivals. Um, he's not the highest ranked player on his team. He plays with Kate uh, um, Cunningham. So they're they're pretty loaded. Kate Cunningham, you may remember him because uh, his his brother was a uh, he was like a video coordinator or something at Tulane, and then he gets hired to be a $200,000 assistant coach at Oklahoma State and so you'll be surprised to learn that his little brother has signed to go play at Oklahoma State so kudos to them for making man a, a that really is nice. just what
1: a weird coincidence right, I mean it's, it's
0: strange yeah it's it's I mean the, the same thing kind of happened at Washington you know it kind of happened at West yeah. Kentucky happened at
1: Miami. You know, I think it happened at LSU with Ben Simmons too. I just, it's weird how that keeps working out like that. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, it was a good hire for Oklahoma State
0: anyway. And so uh, Scotty Barnes, uh, you know, Cade Cunningham is one of these real ball dominant guys. He's he's always got the ball in his hands. Scotty Barnes is going to be a really fascinating prospect because, you know, these games really showcased that he kind of does everything besides be the alpha scorer. You know, he's a lot like uh, Terrence Mann in that way, where he's he's just doing everything on the court, but not really scoring a, a ton of points in a high school game, which is weird for a for a super elite prospect. But he's he's already got an NBA body. He's six eight. Uh, he's got really good vision. He was he, he was making some crazy, you know catching the ball on a rebound and flicking it out to a guy in the corner for a three, you know, and, and uh, running the break. And he, he takes some pressure off Kate Cunningham and they, they run him at point for a while. Um, you know, he is coming to Florida state because uh, we promised him the the opportunity to be the point guard. Um, so that is, you know, one thing to, to really focus on when you get a chance to watch this guy, his ball skills are legit you know he's he's a he's a good ball handler. He's got good vision. Is um, a very interesting guy for a for a
1: super elite um, prospect. I I'm thrilled to hear about his vision and and just passing ability. I think that some, you know we've seen it in spurts with with uh, your your slack fave, Rayquan Great, but to be able to have a big guy who is able to see the court and see over guards and, and recognize the right pass and be able to make the right pass. Like, like the Raekwon gray Pat. So at the end of, uh, was it the Virginia game, uh, Forrest gets into the lane passes to Raekwon who, who, you know, starts to drive and kicks it right into the corner to Vassell for the three. Um, that is huge to be able to have a guy his size that can do that. And like you said, Scotty Barnes does have an NBA-ready body. Is, from what you could see, and, and it's one game, let's just all throw that out there, this is one high school game, does he have the, the handle to be – I mean, do you think he could project as someone who is at the very least like sharing point guard duties with maybe, let's say, a Raquan Evans or, or someone like that?
0: Yeah, he does. I mean, there's, there's, it's, it's obviously a, <laughs> a big step to go from, you know, running your team as a, as a high school player to running your team in the ACC. Uh, but if you, you know, if you just look at him, you know, when he, when he's. Uh, when he's pl- when he's playing the lead guard role, you know, there it, it, he just he just looks comfortable doing it. You know, it's not it doesn't look like it's something that he's trying to f- uh, force a square peg round hole situation. It, you know, it, it really does look like his future um, as a as a basketball player is is to be you know really ball dominant non scorer. Um, you know, at the at the next level, and and we should be clear that the next level is coming soon. There's no chance that he will spend two years at Florida State. So uh, people should right, just get that, right. Florida get State gets one shot at way. him.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't even not even worth typing. So speaking of the spending, this maybe the last question here, and and we'll take a break and then come back and talk Notre Dame. Um, if if you had just based on knowing what we know about Scotty, he he's a tremendous defender. He is a good teammate. He's able to pass. He struggles a bit with his perimeter shot. Um, that's not gonna, he's not going to come in and be, be a pure scorer or anything close to that. If, if, you, if, if I said, um, Michael, between, between MJ Walker, Devin Vassell, and Patrick Williams, you get two of those guys to come back on next year's team. Uh, which and, and also factoring in that we have uh, Sardar Calhoun coming in, which two of those three would you, you? You can only pick two. Which two would you pick? Oh man, that's
0: tough. I I mean, you got to take Devin. He's just he's he he is another another level. Uh, for I'm the other, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um yeah. I I you know I kind of nothing no nothing no knock against MJ but i think that patrick williams has uh you know a little more ability to to do uh the things that this team needs in terms of like rebounding and um and being able to play uh really small i mean it's it's we put small in quotation marks cuz you know ham ham small is a little different than everybody else's but if 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 next year you know you've got a 6 8 point guard um, you know, a six a six nine center and a six eight power forward or something. you and six seven wings. You know, you you can see that that really give shape to this position this basketball system. I would like uh, in in this little fantasy world where Devin Vizelle and, and Patrick Williams come back. I should also note that I'm kind of given uh, Patrick Williams MJ's jump shot. You know, like so he's has got, I I picture him making taking and making threes. Uh, you know, in yeah. this, this fantasy world that I'm living in.
1: Yeah, so that so again, complete fantasy world. I in in full disclosure, at this point, given what we've seen in the last two games, maybe four games even, I I don't think um, <laughs> that Devin Vassell will be on on the team next year. I, I hope he does. I, one of the things that Florida State probably has going for itself is that um, Devin is is young for his uh grade i think let me see here he is uh, so Devin is a sophomore and he's only 19 he, he's less than 19 and a half right now so compared to most in his grade he is particularly young um but in this world in which we're living in this fantasy uh george r, r. martin world where you have Scotty Barnes, Patrick Williams, uh, Devin Vassell, Trent and, and MJ are now off the team in this hypothetical world. Let's just assume that the rest of the team comes back. Who So your starting five would be, I'm, I'm guessing, Scotty at the one, Vassell at the two, uh, Patrick Williams at the three, and then what, like Gray and Osborne?
0: No, I'd, I'd, I was actually going to say uh, Anthony Polite and Balsa um mm. just because ham likes to start big we we've we've seen florida state lose like eight consecutive tips or something um yeah so so balsa probably wouldn't be the be the you know long-term option but but uh yeah so it would be osborne you know finishing the game um yeah and, and probably anthony polite just to just to provide another uh knockdown shooter i i like gray i'm the president of his a Slack fan club, but he needs to he needs to be able to hit some shots before we're we're putting him out there to finish games.
1: Well and I think Polite too gives you with the rest of that lineup of their, I mean goodbye passing lanes. I mean good, good luck with that. If you think Florida State's turning teams over at a lot right now, uh that would just be crazy length. But Polite gives you that on ball maybe that little smaller on ball defender to be able to actually take away some of the folks um like a key a Clark or something that um, that polite frank, frankly he might be the best you know one-on-one on-ball defender on the team right now so next year i would imagine that would only take another step forward um all right fun fun discussion i, I enjoy little th- thanks for indulging me a little off the cuff there but uh why don't we take a break real quick and when we come back we'll talk about uh, the fighting irish i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal Uh, so Florida State, as we mentioned, is uh, 16 and two. They are what? Are, what are we? Six and one in the ACC. Uh, that, yep, six and one in the ACC, tied for the first uh, with Louisville, and looking to go to seven and one. And and so the Notre Dame Fighting Irish are coming to the Tucker Center, where Florida State has become a- almost unbeatable. To be honest, you know, like we maybe one loss a, a game average, for, or one loss a season for the last three or four years. Um, and, and I don't know if you caught any of the Notre Dame Syracuse game tonight, Michael, but they just lost in a hard, hard contested battle to Syracuse at home. Uh, so what, um, I don't know what kind of team is Notre Dame bringing to Tallahassee?
0: Yeah, you know, Mike Bray is kind of that, uh, you know, that's their head coach. He's kind of the original get old and stay old guy. Um, he wants, he wants a really experienced roster. And if, if you look at this year's team. Um, looking at guys who played minutes last year to guys who, who are playing minutes this year, they're third nationally, um, you know, we call that minutes continuity. Um, they have, I think four senior starters, uh, three of them are like 22 years old. Another one's 23, you know, they're just, they're just an old team. And that's, that's the way that, uh, Mike Bray recruits. He's one of these guys who says that he doesn't want, um, one and dones. And I think every coach who doesn't actually land one and done says that, uh, but i but you kind of get the feeling that Mike Bray means that you know he he really wants uh, these players who are going who are going to come in and and go through the system and <laughs> you know, before or even better, uh, five-year guys. So they're a super experienced team. The bad news for Mike Bray is that they were terrible last year. So you're bringing back the same team, um, who wasn't any good and they're off to, you know, a a better start, but certainly, you know, they're not, uh, you know, they're, they're not knocking down the door of the NCAA tournament at this point. Um, so yeah, they've got, go ahead.
1: I was going to say they, so they opened up the year with a loss to North Carolina, but, but that was a very different uh, North Carolina team that was with Cole Anthony and, and kind of fully healthy. Since then, they've sort of done a, kind of what you're saying, right? They've beaten the teams that maybe you would expect them to beat. Uh, the UCLA, they actually won at Syracuse, uh, Georgia Tech. But then they've lost to the teams that you'd probably expect them to lose. They, they lost a tough neutral site game to Indiana. They lost at NC State. They lost to Louisville. And then tonight, maybe tonight is honestly the first game that they've lost that you thought, okay, well, they were probably favored coming in and and maybe should have won the the rematch against Syracuse at home. Uh, It looks like they are – so they are incredible at two things. And they are interesting because they are two things that really goes right to what Florida State's trying to do. Um, Notre Dame on offense turns the ball over the least in the country, 13.8% of possessions. Uh, they turn it over as, as folks know, Florida state is, uh, top three in the country at turning teams over. So that's going to be a strength on strength. And then Notre Dame on defense, uh, puts you at the free throw line, the least amount in the country. They're only sending, uh, they, they only opponents are only taking, uh 18 percent it's an 18 percent free throw attempt to field goal attempt ratio there um so that that's really interesting what do you want to talk more like how do you see those playing out against fsu uh on saturday night
0: yeah for the free throw thing so they'll, they'll mix in zone and and man uh defenses they never seem to foul a lot you know they always seem to have these these big guys banging down low that that never actually commit a foul. I don't I don't know how he he's teaching them to do that, but it, but he's really good at it because his teams are consistent that way. Um, Florida State has not not relied on getting to the line this year as much as as much as they have in the
1: past. I Feel like so, Hamilton would like to get to the line, but we just haven't been able to do that for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I, yeah. I think there's a few reasons. Um, maybe we can go into it on another podcast. It could be a, a kind of a deep dive into. Into how the offense is functioning, but anyway, so for Notre Dame, um, their turnovers—that that's going to be the game right there. I, I have a, I have a feeling is they're number one in the country at at, at it, and we're number three. So it, it's you know one of those things has got to give. They they did get rattled a little bit in losses um, to NC State uh, and Boston College. Uh, Boston College is pretty good at turning teams over, so maybe that's a little hopeful glimmer in our in our direction and then the the other thing to mention is that they score 40 percent of their points from beyond the arc which is the 11th most in the nation so they're going to come in they're going to take a ton of threes i think they took 36 against syracuse um so you just have to hope that it's not one of those games where you know three or four guys just come in and go bananas Uh, they're going to get some open looks he really really spreads you out on defense runs a a uh an, an offense that would look pretty comfortable in the NBA if it, if you sped it up a little bit. And uh, so, so yeah, they're, they're going to get some threes and that's just one of the things that the fans are just going to have to deal with.
1: I, I gotta be honest, Michael, you're not, you're not giving me the warm and fuzzies when we're talking about this matchup here. I'm, I'm, I mean, Okay. So the turnover, let's say, let's just meet that in the middle. They'll probably turn it over a bit more than what they are accustomed to. And we uh, will probably turn them over maybe a tad less than what we're accustomed to. Um, And I think perhaps the key there is, are those live ball turnovers, right? Are, are we generating blocks and steals that are leading to runouts and dunks or is it that, you know, Hey, they're getting some shot clock violations or maybe a dribble off your foot down on the baseline or something but the you know, we've seen teams come into the Tucker Center, and I, I think even this year we have a tendency to maybe lo- lose track of a shooter uh, in the corner or you know not be fully dialed into whose man you're switching on to uh, when we're executing our, our kind of switch everything defense. and And they've got, of course, John Mooney, who's again, they just roll out this never-ending line of of kind of six, nine, 250 pound you know seniors that have seemingly played there for 14 years and he's he's averaging a, a double double you know he, he's he got the seventh best rebound uh defensive rebounding rate in the country uh he's got the 97th best offensive rebounding rate in the country and and quite honestly, you know, there's times in which we don't always put a body on somebody. I, I don't know. You're not. You're not making me feel good here. Are, are you? Are you telling me that I should be thinking loss?
0: Well, this this goes back to our earlier discussion about is Florida State the fifth best team, or do they have the fifth best resume? Um, I would expect Notre Dame going into you know, the fifth best team to be kind of running into a buzzsaw, but it just, the way that Florida State has played recently, they've got the wins, they beat Miami, they beat Virginia. But as you saw, you know, those were not convincing wins. And so Notre Dame does a lot of things that makes Florida State vulnerable. And and I really would like to see, <laughs> excuse me. I really like to see Saturday night. You know, Florida State come in and just blow the doors off and win this game by 25. But but I you know I need to see that. I need to see that consistently from this team. That game that we saw against uh, Louisville. Uh, you know, where every everything was just on all cylinders. I need to see that. You know, against lesser teams. And no, I'm not predicting a loss. I, I think Florida State's going to get going to get the win, but you know, it's not. It would. It's it. it wouldn't be this shocking upset, you know, if, if Notre Dame does come in and actually walk away with the win.
1: Yeah, I we we could go to predictions if you want. I, I too will predict a win. If for no other reason, just statistically speaking, we we don't lose in Tallahassee a lot. Uh, we we shoot the ball a lot better at home. And, and that is always a nice, a nice help. We tend to have these spurts uh, where we, we, you know, it's, it's like a prize fighter that it's, you know, maybe it's been a tough, a a tough equal battle and then it's the 10th or 11th round. And all of a sudden they just get a guy on the ropes and unleash a combination. And we tend to do that at home frequently where we just, you know, you blink and we've had two steals a block and a three and we went from down one to up nine. Um, So I, I think we get the win, but I, I don't know. You know, you say you'd like to see a twenty-five point win. Looking at their scores, they they've got a two-point loss tonight to Syracuse, a three-point loss at home to Louisville, uh, a five-point loss on the road to NC State, a two-point loss to Indiana, a one-point loss to Boston College. The only team that was really able to put it on them was uh, was Maryland, in in a game back in December. Uh, they they traveled to Maryland and lost by twenty-one i I don't know that I'm w- w- willing to to make that kind of prediction. It, it feels to me more like a game that you know that has folks maybe biting their fingernails a little bit again and and leaving thinking the same thing that we've been talking about, which is, wow, it's great to see the team play tough at the end. It's great to see them make their free throws and they won by seven. Uh, but gosh, are are we? Like when are we going to play a, a a great game and and maybe that's just not how Florida State is is going to play most of their games maybe maybe they're just not a team that's going to blow out a lot of teams this year, is do you think that maybe just the reality that we're seeing?
0: You, until I see otherwise, you know the 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 Florida State offense has been uh you know in particular has been up and down. Uh, the defense has 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 been a little more consistent, but. You know, there's there's just certain elements that if we're not if we're not creating a ton of turnovers, you know, some teams have the ability to pick us apart. And and seeing Notre Dame come in here, you know, as the number one team in the country, not turning the ball over, you know, that gives them a lot of possessions where we're at risk of giving up those open threes. So, you know, we shall see. As, as I mentioned earlier, I, I, I'm going to predict a win. You know, I think I'll take. Uh, uh Florida State by like I'd say 7167, you know, like a four four point win. Um but I I I could also go back, you know, if we go back in time to a, to a to another time that that Ham played uh uh Notre Dame was was back in what was it 2011 um with uh you know Derwin Kitchen and Chris Singleton and Dulkus and Snare Bernard James yeah, all stuff in the NCAA and, tournament. Yeah, tournament and the Notre Dame players were like crying and fighting each other, <laughs> and they just got demolished. And so maybe this team will, will channel a little a little bit of that. um You know, that, that's what I'm hoping for, anyway.
1: Yeah that that was a pretty fun game to watch. And that that Notre Dame team looked like they had never seen the length and athleticism that. A Leonard Hamilton uh, squad is about. I, I think that with Mike with Mike Gray having been in the ACC now for the last um, six five six years, I, I have the sense that they're a little bit more prepared. At least they're being told uh, what to expect more. You can't really simulate that in practice. I think I'll probably split the difference. And you say four point win. I might say um, I, I think I went. I said seven, kind of hypothetically earlier. I think I might say six. Uh, I, I do. I think the biggest I, – I am not as confident about us playing at Notre Dame later in the year. It's probably not a team I'd want to – not the type of team I'd want to see in March, a team that can get hot from three and also not turn the ball over. I don't think it's the matchup that I would want to see from us. Um, because, to your point about the defense, it it, it almost seems – I've been talking about this with a little bit with Arya Massoudi, too, over from the Osceola when when I'm seeing him at games. We're, we're kind of a, a boomer-bust defense in the sense that we – we either create a turnover and and that leads to easy offense or, or we give up, you know, dribble drive right to the rim. I, I don't know that there's, I don't, there's not a ton of possessions where we, where we do some, where we just kind of play average defense. It, it seems to be very boom bust. And so if we're not generating turnovers against Notre Dame, then, then what's, what's happening, you know, what's the result at that point, we're just hoping for them to miss. Um, but uh we we so this is a, a 8 p.m tip at at the tucker center in tallahassee on saturday if you're in tallahassee it, you better get a ticket soon because it's almost sold out uh the virginia atmosphere was a fantastic one uh if, if you live not even in tallahassee if you want to come in this is a great game at nine o'clock or eight o'clock at night on a saturday come in uh you know enjoy enjoy the festivities and i think we talked earlier uh on a previous podcast michael there's there's some recruits in town, correct?
0: Yeah, we uh, i kind of forgot about that because it's it's been a couple of weeks since we talked about it, but uh, yeah, Musa Sese's five star, everybody from from Memphis is in, and then uh, Bryce McGowan's. You know, who's Trey, Trey McGowan's from Pitt, his his little brother. He's a pretty high-level shooting guard, top 50 recruit in the country. They're going to be here. Sold-out game. You know, it, it's, it, it should be a good – I atmosphere. believe it's a
1: blackout even. I blackout, think so wear black yeah. if you're going to the game. Yep.
0: Are you going to the game this week,
1: Matt? I I will be at the game actually. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's a blackout for, for Notre Dame's funeral or, or just (laughs) because it's a nighttime tip. Uh, But no, I, will be, I'll be there and I'm going to try to take a look too at the, the different scouts that are there as, as Devin and uh, Devin and Patrick have started to kind of, you know, have their names bantered about uh, as first round picks. So I'm going to try to pick up on that and we can talk about it on a future podcast.
0: Make sure you rock your, uh, your, your, your black Tomahawk nation podcast t-shirt. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was actually going to, I was going to go with the headband actually, uh, maybe Ooh, nice. a little more. <laughs> yeah. Subtle. No. All right. Well, this has been a good, uh, good podcast. Uh, let us always, you know, reach out to at Michael Rogner on Twitter. If you want, if you have questions or, or uh, comments or, or drop us a feedback in the podcast itself, give us a five star rating. Or, or whatever star rating you feel like giving. Um, but, uh, and, and of course, you can come over to Tomahawk Nation where both of us are engaging and interacting uh, on a daily basis. Uh, for Michael, I'm Matt, and go Knowles.